could you please pronounce your name correctly for me? Yes, I'm Zuzana Kubelkova. All right. And I found you because of your glass work, but I've also noticed that you do lots of other things. But let's take it back a step a little bit. So like, how did you even become creative and then find glass as your particular medium? So were your parents creative? Like, did you have some teachers? Like what, what led you down this path? Yeah, it's about my parents because my father was a glassmaker. He studied the same high school as I did. And then he studied painting, like monumental painting in Prague. Yeah, from my childhood, I became to be creative with him. I was always around in the workshop and tried something also. So it was quite easy to decide what I'm going to study and what I'm going to do in my future life. So it was quite, quite easy. What did your mother do? My mom, she's a teacher. She's teaching Czech language and music. She's a musician also, and she is writing like theater plays, games plays. So, yeah, we are a kind of artistic family, I would say, in a different field, but still. Indeed, yes. Now, so I found you for glass. So, like, your father did glass. So, you study, so you studied because of him, or did you find some personal? desire and passion to work in it? Uh, it was, I can say, personal desire because I really like to create something with my hands. I could study playing a piano, but that was for me somehow too much work. That time I didn't like it so much, but I would like to come back to it, but it's somehow not, not so much time for it. I didn't want to study something just to learn a lot, a lot, a lot from the books. I wanted to create something, sculptures, and that something what is visible, that you can touch it, you can really play with it and change it all the time. So it was somehow a good way for me, I would say. I'm working with it all the time. So <laughs> there is, I think, no change in the future. So I will stay with glass for sure. Well, it's so now, like what I saw on your website and what I know about you from things I've read online is you're very sort of artistic and creative. Is that all you do or do you also do some like production work or some like things like so is that enough to keep you busy, let's say? Uh, it's for sure it's enough to keep me busy <laughs> because I'm thinking all the time about what to do next, what to find next with what kind of material I want to work more. But... Yeah, it's not for to survive to live from that. So I also cooperate with some companies, for example, Moser Glassworks in Karlovy Vary, or I cooperated with Preziosa Lighting, Foibos Design, Malls. It's so so many companies, but it was just for a short time. And I also try to cooperate with architects to product something for interiors or something bigger from installations or what is possible i can say i'm open to everything <laughs> somehow for this moment what, so like do you only do, do i guess the question but you said you 
cooperation is a big part of what you do. So like, do you only make your own work or like, do you cooperate with other artists or just with other like commercial ventures? I make only my stuff, my sketches, my ideas. But last year, I have to say, I started to cooperate with one German artist. And it was really nice cooperation to have someone to talk about the piece, about the ideas, about how to develop it in which way. And it was quite nice. And I really enjoyed it because I'm used to work with people. Doesn't seem like that for this moment because I'm here alone and I have my own workshop and it's quite far from Prague, from the Novibor where the glass centrums are. But I can travel a lot and be in touch with people all the time. So it's not a problem. Well, I, I'm fascinated by that actually, because I'm now 48 years old and I'm sort of of the time in my life where I'm like, you know, I kind of really want to get away from the city. Like I've been in the city most of my adult, well, most of my childhood and my adult life. And I'm, I'm keep wondering, like, is it really worth it? Does it work well? Like, it, does it inspire you? Does it really give you more time? Like, is, is living outside the city in such a, a small village, like really that beneficial? I would say yes. I lived in Prague for two, three years in the city. And it's always, you see, there is this exhibition opening, there is this happening, theater, concert, and so many things around that you really can't focus only on your work or on your job. So I was always walking there and visiting that, and I didn't have so much time. And I also worked for gallery Kusebauch as a art manager. So all day I was there in the gallery and then in the evening I didn't want to sit and draw something or create something because then you have to switch your brain to something completely different and it's not working like this. You need to have a two, three days to get used to it, to be focused on it and then you can start to do something creative. But in Prague, it didn't work at all. Yeah, I've often said that like a weekend, the traditional two-day weekend is like not enough. You need more time because on Saturday, you're decompressing from the work week. And on Sunday, you're already starting to stress about the upcoming week. So you need like, we. I wish we could make it like four days for weekends. And then you work like longer hours for three days a week. And that would be so much more productive. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> in the gallery, I also work for three, four days in a week. Then the weekend was a bit longer, but still. But it was really nice to be in touch with so many people and artists in Prague, because now I can be in touch with them only by phone or emails or social media, kind of, or just travel there, visit them for a while, but then I have to come back. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's not a big problem, I think. If I need to be in touch or in contact with people, I just go to visit someone. 
well, these days, you know, in 2021, I think it, it's much easier to do things like that. Like, you know, even 20 years ago with lack of Internet and, you know, you know, the road system and the shipping system and things like this. These days, it's pretty truthful that you could live anywhere you want and make art and then just ship it there or send yes. it, you know, send it via email saying like, hey, do you like this piece? I'll sell it to you kind of thing. It's really easy to do. It's quite nice in many ways that like we have that freedom yes yes it's different i think with art it's really important for the audience that they can see it in real touch it or whatever because or talk about it face to face it's really important it's not just about okay i like this piece on the photo let's buy it because it's just nice it's a different and I like to communicate with people face to face. And I think it's really important for the art piece also. Oh, I'm a photographer and I can't tell you how many times like people see my photos on a screen and then they see it in reality and they're like, oh, the colors are totally different. And I'm yes. like, no <laughs> shit, because you're seeing it on a screen and this is reality. Yes. And also it's bigger. Uh, I'm also a painter, so I know how does this work. Because on the website you can see painting, but as you said, the colors are different. You can't see the structure of the painting. You can't see how big is it. It's completely different word. It can't work like this, I think. It's Agreed. Yeah. I have to admit, I'm a bit envious of you with your life. Of You said how many how many houses are in the village you live in? Fifteen. Yeah, I mean, I have this dream of living somewhere where I can walk out on my front porch naked and see nobody. That's where I want to live. Yeah. <laughs> is that where you are? Can, do you not even see your neighbors at all? Is it that spread out or is it like an actual like clustered village of people? We live in the house, which is really big. It's like old farm. So we have a yard between the buildings. So if we don't want to, we really can just stay in the garden and no one can see us. If we want, we just go out and we can choose what we really want to do or if we want to talk with someone. It's kind of freedom. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm still kind of envying that. Yeah, like, you know, you, no, no, like concern about like oh i might run into somebody like no you're not going to run into anybody unless you intentionally seek somebody out <laughs> yeah. it's fun now okay your education i saw that you went to some place and keep in mind it was written i believe this is written in hungarian since it's in hungary but the maholinaj um musette I, please pronounce that for me because i'm horrible it's a maholinaj muvezete egyetem in Budapest in Hungary. <laughs> it's quite complicated. Okay. I know. Well, Budapest in Hungary I can do. But <laughs> but I've always wondered, Maholi Naj. I say Laszlo Maholi Naj. Am I correct? Is that the right pronunciation? Yes. yes. Oh, great. Oh, great. I pronounced one thing right. That's marvelous. You've studied all around for glass. I mean, like, what was that like? Because you also then taught for a little while as well, right? No. I have no, never okay, I read been a that teacher. Wrong. Okay, totally. Let's skip over that, that but I misunderstood. I, I have to say I was a teacher just for two weeks in Frauenau in Bildwerk. And I gave a course for seven people. <laughs> so that's just 
only one. Ex- ex- um, that's a workshop. That's yes. not a. That's a, yeah. That's a, not quite the same. <laughs> but not a teacher, really. Now, are, okay. So, at your studio out in this rustic village outside of Prague, are you? <laughs> do you, Do you have like a whole team of people you work with? Because I know generally glass is not a solo endeavor. Usually, it's multiple people working together. Is, is there a group of you, or is it just you or a small group? That's only me. I'm alone here, but I have to say my my workshop needs a big reconstruction. So. Even if I would like to have somebody here or that people just can come and cast something and then just leave, would be really nice. But first, I really need to make a reconstruction of the workshop. It's not, I would say, not so safe to invite anyone to work in my workshop <laughs> in this moment. But there are many plans to repair it and make it nice and cozy and warm. So maybe in the future... <laughs> I hope so. You need heaters, people. but why would you need heaters? It's a hot shop. <laughs> it's not a hot shop. <laughs> I have a kilns for cast glass technique, and that's all. Then there is a cold shop. There is a place for painting or engraving. Okay, l- let me take it back a step because I just yes. made assumptions, and that's my ignorance. What kind of like f- techniques do you use in your glass? <laughs> Okay, my specialty is cast glass. So I make molds, then I cast the glass into it and make a sculptures. But on the other way, I try to experiment with another materials and combine it with glass. So I'm looking for a different ways how to work with glass. And I can give an example, fiberglass textile. I worked a lot for two or three last years. and I just don't know how the idea developed. It was just a, <laughs> just I saw the material and it became to be interesting for me because I knew that fiberglass textile, it's an industrial glass. It has a different parameters or technological things, but it is still glass, but in a different, yeah, it's like a fabric, but still glass. I think I understand you. Let me just make sure I understand this correctly. You're saying you work with fiberglass, like the things they make uh, boats out of and yes. things that are used as insulation yes, exactly. in houses and stuff like that. Exactly. Okay. Yes. And and you would still consider that glass work? <laughs> yes. Still, because I take it, cast it, and recast it to a raw material, which is glass. But that was a question about like technological question really big because I had to find the exact temperature, how to cast it when it still keeps the structure of textile and the fibers. And it's not so fragile because if I don't cast it on exact temperature, it's really fragile or really melted already. So you can't see anything on it. So it was that question, how to find the temperature a lot of experiments, a lot of trash, and uh, but it developed and it's working somehow quite well. It's still fragile, but uh, it's transportable. <laughs> Almost everything made with glass is fragile to a certain extent, though. Yes, but this is crazy fragile. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
Well, so, I mean, so how do you transport these things? Do you crate them up? Do you just throw them in the back of your truck? What do you do? That's a good question because each piece from fiberglass is specific and I need to find a specific way how to transport it, how to pack it into the wooden box because it somehow has to levitate inside of the box so I can fix only the bottom or the middle part of the object. So it's kind of laboratory work, I would say, <laughs> just trying if it will survive or not. And yeah, but usually it survives. Only once happened that it was broken, <laughs> but, but no, no, it's okay. Now, okay, so the work that I've seen on there, so are, on your website, are they primarily for exhibition as like fine art pieces or are you more like the commercial decorative kinds of works? Like what, what realm do these fall into? Yeah, all the pieces are fine art pieces. So just a few pieces are there what you can use at home. For example, my last work were bottles and oases. And also one waste from cast glass. But these are really, really new works. <laughs> Maybe you didn't see it on the website. I have a new website. It is kubelkova.art. Why did you buy .art? I've always wondered why people buy these random dot whatever things. I mean, I get it, you're an artist, but like, but why... Yeah, my friend created a website for me and we decided to have their art because I'm artist, class artist, so it was easy to choose it. I get it. Oh yeah, this is a totally different website. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Totally different works. Yeah, look at that. Big brother. Yes, Big Brother, it's a work casted from old TV screens. It's a recycled glass. And I cast it from it, a reminiscence of TV screen. And behind of the TV screen is a micro projector. And it's playing a movie from behind. But I want to work with the materials and what the materials can give to me. And it's my way how I'm working to find it interesting for me and it somehow keeps me to stay with glass with this crazy expensive material and <laughs> is it really expensive i mean i've never done glass work yeah it's really expensive and if you if you make a mistake while casting the glass and you have to recast it then you are already in minus because some glass you can't recast, some glass you can cast twice, but then the processes in the glass are different already a bit and the glass is different. Not so clear, not so nice, and there is so much work. So it's quite expensive technique. <laughs> Is it okay? I I don't know because like, you know, like I want I like look at I know people with the, with glass places and stuff, and they always have like a huge spectrum, a big wall of all their glass stuff, you know, rods and everything ready to to use and all. And I'm just like, oh, that's cool. And I'm so what? They're they're very they're like what a couple 
hundred euros per piece, like per color kind of thing. Like they're very, I mean, the thing that I, in my mind, that I always think is the quote unquote, like expensive part of glass making is the electricity bill to run the kiln or the fire or whatever part of it, like the, just the heating process in whatever way you do it. I think that that's the most expensive, but you're saying it's the material is actually very expensive. Uh, It's going hand, hand to hand, like by hand. So yeah, there is electricity, glass, transport, plaster for making molds. You need a lot around, but it's not only with glass. It's also in a different like metal works or whatever. But with glass, it's somehow really specific that you need a lot. Well, I mean, because the other thing is like I've spoken with some other glass artists recently and like when you when you will use glass for casting, let's say so you you couldn't literally like just go to an old abandoned house and like take the glass out of the windows like you it's a very particular type of glass that you have to generally probably buy from a very particular vendor because of whatever characteristics that it has that you need so you can't use just like quote like i guess i'm calling it like household glass it's special glass <laughs> it's special glass it's special glass for casting because if you use just a trash glass there are so many problems trash about glass the, really yes it's it's about the recycling Again, there are so many projects which are working with a trash glass to recycle it and use it again. And I know many people which are working with this problem and they are quite successful with it. If you really want to make a sculpture object from cast glass, have it really nice, nice color without bubbles or whatever, you have to find a specific kind of glass for this. It's not about just to go somewhere, take a flat glass from the window, break it and cast it. <laughs> it's Unfortunately, <laughs> it's not working like this. I'm smart about some things and I'm dumb about other things. This is what I'm dumb about. That's fine. <laughs> when you will order glass, though, I say you all, when you order glass, where does this, this you know, cast quality glass come from is there like a specific place in the world or a specific like like i don't even know where glass is just sand right it's just melted sand silica with so many additives (laughs) so i wouldn't (laughs) mix it here at home really but there are many companies which are their specializations are about a glass prepared glass for casting so you can just go there choose a color buy it buy the amount of glass what you need for this and that object and pay for it and you can start casting without anything else around but where does it come from i guess like the reason why okay this is my stupidity i'm again i'm from america i'm ignorant of lots of things especially european things so the Czech Republic has this huge history of amazing quality of glass products across the board, art as well as, you know, functional stuff. So, the, so my question is, is like, is, the, is glass from or produced here in the Czech Republic or is it just that the people who refined it and made something with it are from the Czech Republic? No, it's original here from Czech Republic. They... So, the, so the glass is, is made here also? Yes, I had no idea. 
Well, it's it's usually close to Jablonec, Nadniso. There is a Radlo, and there is a company called Banyas Glass, and their specialization is for many years already. They have a long history, and they produce only glass for casting. And you can go there, and they have a I don't know about seventy or one hundred different colors, and you can really combine them. They are compatible together, so you can cast them together and make a multicolor object if you need or if you want, and you can be sure that it will work. Our Preciosa Ornella in Desna, they also produce. That's not for casting, but it's you can use it for whatever you need. Well, you don't do those multicolored crazy things. You're very minimal in your use of color. Not yet. <laughs> okay, so that's something you expect to grow into? Yeah, I had some ideas, some sketches already with really multicolor things, but it was mostly about the fusing. It's a different technique of casting, but it's still on the paper. As are most of our creative ideas. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we all have notebooks upon notebooks of ideas. Yes, exactly. Now, so and so, do you sell these through the gallery or through your own website? Your new website, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I usually sell the pieces through the gallery, the gallery Kuzebauch especially. But also, I'm. While I have a group exhibition somewhere and someone asks me for this or that piece, of course, I, I sell it by myself. Because I'm always fascinated on sort of how creative people make livings. So like it sounds to me like basically you, you do lots of work for other companies, basically doing casting stuff for them to make money so that you have the time, the space to make your own stuff. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, Usually I, I did a 3D visualizations for the companies because without that, the word somehow can't work. The audience or the clients really need to see it, like almost the photorealistic 3D visualization. How will it look like? But especially with glass, it's always different and you can make us, okay, on this place will be a bubble. It doesn't work like this. And then the client asks, oh, why the bubble is here and not here? It's on the 3D, it was here and now it's different. I don't want it anymore. Seriously. Yes, really. Yes. Kind <laughs> like these people are like this. Sometimes it's really uh, nonsense. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit ridiculous. Yes, it's ridiculous, really. But, okay, so you just said that you do 3D modeling. So do you personally do your own 3D modeling? Uh, I do it for companies, not for myself, not for my pieces. I just make drawings or paintings and then I create it. But Well, the reason why I ask about that is because the impression, the out, you know, in the world impression of somebody who does glass work is that oftentimes they are very, let's call it rough and rugged, and they're maybe not so savvy with technology. Because <laughs> like, you're using this very historic, traditional processes. And so oftentimes, those types of people are seen as not very good with technology. So <laughs> yeah. I'm fascinated by the idea that you, you, 
utilize you know very progressive 3d modeling technology and this traditional mediums yeah i think the traditional medium is really basic for drawing creating painting creating whatever if you don't know how to draw you can't really create i for for me drawing is uh, basic for everything <laughs> I resent that. I cannot draw to save my life. I am a horrible drawer, drawer, illustrator. I hate that because, uh, yeah, drawer. Okay, but it's not necessary for all kind of art. But if you really need to make sketches to imagine how the piece would look like in 3D, I think it's really not necessary to sit next to the computer or in front of the computer work hours on modeling the, the object and then see how will it look like because then it anyway look different <laughs> in the material. Not so, but time is different. Generations are different. Technologies are different. I think it's necessary to know it. I know it, but I'm not using it for my own work. I don't blame you. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> no, but... Now you're I would consider you young in the, the arts world. So like I'm wondering as the the younger generation well, younger than me generation, how interesting is it? Like, are you focused on trying to become sort of known or or sales in this region, or are you more interested in sort of outside of this region? You know, like let's say America as a market, or are you focused just on the Czech Republic or all of the EU? Like, what's your desire for your your range and, and interest in your work? I have to say that I don't have a specific region where I really want to go. I have exhibitions here in Czech. I have exhibitions abroad. And if I can send something to America, then I do it. So I'm open to everything, I would say. <laughs> I think it's not good to be focused on only on one region. Even if I was a student, I applied almost for everything, like for glass competition, international Czech competitions. And I think it's really important to apply for or try to be everywhere, many, many fields of art and just to be visible a bit. Because there are many, many opportunities to get a new contacts, know new people. And then later in the future, they can maybe contact you because they know, oh, this woman, she was here and she had an interesting work. It was just one piece, but have a look on her website, what she is doing or creating now. And maybe we can ask her to have an exhibition here, or maybe we can cooperate with her on this project or that project or something different. Or, oh, okay, she can make a workshop here. That would be interesting because she's working with this material on that or that material. So I'm really open to all world if I say it like this. Well, I mean, because like I, I'm interested in like, because like I'm of the age that I think I missed the whole using social media for artistic reasons and getting it out. And you're closer to that generation, if not still that generation. So I'm wondering, like, has the internet, so the, your website and having social media and all this, has this been beneficial to you? Through the social media, I'm in contact with people. 
mostly because I have it like a business platform. I don't have their personal things or stuff. I keep my secret in that way. But I think it's becoming more and more important to be visible on the internet, to have a website, to have a, okay, Facebook, I don't like so much, but I think it's somehow important to that the people can easily find you. Because it seems like if you are not on the internet, they cannot find you, you are dead somehow. But I, I think that the people are somehow thinking like this. I think it's silly maybe a bit, but it's working like this. Okay. I'm not, again, I'm going to keep repeating this, but like, I'm not a glass artist. So like, what's the, like the pinnacle, what's the aspiration that you have? So like, if, if you pie in the sky, absolute best opportunity that could be ever given to you in your life. It could be works in a collection, exhibitions at, whatever. Like, what's the thing that you strive the most for in your career? <laughs> That's a good question. Of course, I would like to have a big exhibition in a really famous gallery. But it's a wish. And I just like to work with glass and create something. But what gallery? Because like if I were to say in the Czech Republic, I would personally say the Rudolfinum. I think that's a gorgeous space. Uh, Rudolfinum is really nice. But it can be also in abroad. With my father, we always made a joke. Hey, where's my phone? What if uh, Guggenheim would call me? <laughs> but it was really just a joke and uh, it was nice. So maybe... The Guggenheim is also my my like go to one too. That's I love that. Yes, I, when I was a child, my my best friend in, in childhood, we used to joke. He was a filmmaker and I was an artist, and we used to joke that uh, when I turned fifty, I would have a retrospective at the Guggenheim, and he would make a documentary about me and my work. Yeah. And so that was that was sort of cool. Now I'm forty eight years old. Nowhere near the idea, the uh, the opportunity to a, a retrospective at the Guggenheim yes. <laughs> in the next two years. So, yeah. But I like that it's the Guggenheim. That's lovely. I mean, one of the things that I I'm always sort of like going on and on about is like artists and creative people continually want time, space, and money. Like those are our three primary things. And to a certain extent, you have a lot of that because I'm, I don't know exactly your situation, but it sounds like you have the space to do whatever you want. I'm guessing because you live in a small village in the middle of nowhere that it's probably cheap. So you probably have more money to do a lot of things than if you lived in Prague. Yeah, then in Prague, yes. <laughs> it's not so perfect, but yeah. Yeah, you have to maintain an older building, which is not cheap also. Yes. I know there's always pros and cons to all these things, but it, you know, it's just one of those really interesting things that like, I keep wondering whether or not artists should be in the cities or not, or whether they should, because like a lot of cities have outpriced themselves. Basically they, you know, the rents and the cost of living have gotten so high that they're really forcing a lot of yes. the creative peoples to yes. lead to like flee the cities. Yes. But I know the glass artists, they usually have a workshop somewhere in the village. It can be close to Prague, but still it's somewhere outside of the city. It's not in the city because really the prices are so high and sometimes it's not so easy to find a place where to have a workshop, where to move all the machines you need to have there the 
kilns or space where to work with uh, poisonous colors, glass colors. So it's always a difficulty for this field. But I also know that in Prague are many like shared workshops that so many people can work together there or just share the space and it's quite cheaper. Who wants to do that really? Yeah. I mean, it's lovely in your 20s, but like no, I would not do the rest of my career in a shared space. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a lot of people are looking for something their own space where they can have their own mess and deal with it somehow. So, yeah. Well, and not worry about people taking it or screwing it up or like, like, cause I used to work in group spaces and like there were times where I would paint something and then the guy right next door next to me would like to start doing woodwork and suddenly sawdust would be all on my thing that I just painted. And I'm just like, God damn it. Like, don't you a little consider it? <laughs> Come on. <sighs> All right. Has COVID done anything to your artistic, either your your to your working in the studio or your sort of reception to the work? So, like, has it changed anything about how you work? No, actually, it didn't change anything. And I have to say that last year in May, I had an exhibition in Prague. There was a window between the lockdowns. And I don't know if it was because the people were really hungry just to go somewhere, but the exhibition opening was really crowded and the exhibition was really successful. <laughs> so I was really surprised about it, really. It was so nice and so good. But for a second lockdown, I moved to Frauenau for half a year or two into build work when I worked on my two projects. So while it was closed here in Czech, I was in Frauenau, but it was still kind of open and I could use the workshops there and stay there with another people, another artists. And while it became to be worse in Germany, I moved back to Czech because the Glassworks project was over already and I had to move home. <laughs> so I was somehow lucky with this, that I could spend there the time while the here was the hard lockdown it will come again unfortunately uh, hopefully hopefully not but uh, who knows yeah uh, let's be realistic <laughs> i'm always optimistic so i'm i call myself a pessimistic optimist so i i plan for the worst but hope for the best yes <laughs> that's also a good way yeah no but you, you said the the exhibition went well was successful like is that your humble way of saying you sold everything i sold many <laughs> that's great i love hearing that artists are yes, selling it's maybe my one more wish that i would like to sell all the pieces when from one exhibition <laughs> completely sold out yeah <laughs> yeah but so uh, yeah it's just a wish Dream, I would say dream. Not unrealistic at all. I know lots of artists that have sold out exhibitions. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? Any topic that interests you that's arts related? 
maybe maybe about it in a frau now i spent there a half a year i spent there time with eight another artists and now we have a art group i would say and a collective collective yes and we are they are mostly from germany poland russia japan and me from czech republic so it's quite international um, just to be clear for the the people listening frauen frauenau is in germany it's in germany close to tweezel in bavarian forest <laughs> i'm sorry did you just say tweezel 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 <laughs> that's a funny word okay go on <laughs> yes. and it's very nice that we had a really close cooperation about all the projects we were working on and now we are planning uh, exhibitions together and we also have some projects together already. And you was asking me if I cooperate with people also. So yes, this is the point <laughs> I wanted to add that yes, I'm cooperating with people and it's really fresh and really nice. And I hope we will have uh, many exhibitions together. Well, this idea of being of like creating a cooperative or a collective or anything like this, this uh, to me, I feel like it's a very contemporary idea. Like I don't remember these kinds of things happening twenty years ago. I mean, you don't remember these things, but because you're too young. But the they that seems like a newer thing. Like it seems like it's also something relevant to uh, funding models as well, specifically in Europe, because I've noticed a lot of funding models as far as grants and things like this offer for collectives to, yes. you know, ask for funding for projects yes. and things like this. And, and of course they're much more attractive to funders because they're funding what seems like a group of people who already have a cohesive idea. And, and I love this whole sort of model of like forming a collective with like-minded people to then propose exhibitions to then be able to easier get funding uh, available for these things like i love that model i'm all for the granting system in europe like it is amazing coming from america this like i'm so envious of you all yeah yeah it's really true because here in czech there are not so many fundings that are supporting uh, glass artists really nothing and <laughs> that surprises me with the history of glass art in yes, the Czech Republic. It's sad. It's really sad here. They are not supporting so much, really. There are some programs I know about, but it's not big. But with this group of people in Germany, there is a Tutsek Foundation and it supports almost everything what is about art. You really have a good project and send it to them. They somehow support you in it. And it's really, really nice that you know that you have a way where to ask for a support. It doesn't need to be money support or whatever, but there is still something what can really help you. Yeah, but okay, well, money are <laughs> the most important part of in, in this. They don't have to give the money directly to me. They could just buy my resources or pay my my rental for my yes. studio or whatever. That's fine. Like they don't have to give me money. They could just supplement other things. That's fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so yeah, for this moment, it's really nice to have this nice group of people that we have exhibitions 
spread everywhere and asking for funding and it's working pretty well. Well, like you created what sounds like just off the top of the head, the, like a really smart idea of a collective because you've got people from various different countries all over the globe so that you could, because there's a representative from all these different locations, you could theoretically ask for funding from all of those different locations. Like, God, I wish we had thought of this when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, we are really lucky with that, with this thing. It's really nice, and I hope that it can still continue in the future and we can spend some nice times together. Yeah, really, really nice. All right, lovely. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening all the way to the end of this conversation. We would appreciate it if you would share the podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, even studio mates, anyone with an interest in the arts and creative endeavors. The building and strengthening of the arts and creative community is at the core of our mission for this podcast. They can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are produced by 5014, the audio was edited by Mickey at Cush Audio Services, and the music was created by Pete Bybee. Thanks, Pete. We all know how important funding for the arts is, so I'd like to show my appreciation for the EEA grants from Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway in their effort to work together for a green, competitive, and inclusive Europe. We would also like to thank our partners Hunt Kastner in Czech Republic and Kunstcentrene i Norge in Norway. Links to EEA grants and our partner organizations are available in the show notes or on our website, wisefoolpod.com. Thank you.